You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Good morning. So how were the roads? Awesome, right? Okay, we're glad you're here. Um, We're talking today about the emotion, but more than the emotion of anger, but the reality of anger. And uh, as we do this, there's three different types of questions that came to my mind as I was preparing this message. One was, what do we do about the culture's anger? The second was, what do we do about our personal anger? And finally, what do we do about righteous anger? And so those are kind of the, the guiding thoughts as we uh, walk through this together today. When we think about the culture's anger, it seems like everyone's kind of shouting at each other. And as we were worshiping uh, a while earlier, I just love that song where it says, uh, Yahweh, Yahweh, (laughs) we shout your name. And the thought struck me, when you think about all the shouting that's going on in the world, what if we shouted, Yahweh, Yahweh? Will you stand and do that with me? On the cue of three. (laughs) It's very simple, okay? One, two, three. Yahweh, Yahweh! We love to shout your name. Have a seat. I feel better. And I believe really, truly, that uh, God has been calling me lately to shout His name. Now, you've got to watch where you do that because they may arrest you or they may take you away or something, or you may want to explain that to people that's around you if you're not alone in your house. There's a stone chapel. I call it the stone chapel. There's a little chapel over here. It's unlocked, and it's a great place where you can go and just Shout! Yahweh, Yahweh. My point is this. If we're not shouting God's praise, we're going to be shouting something. And uh, there's a lot to shout about. There's a lot of shouting going on. There's a lot of ranting going on. So when we think about what do we do with the, the culture's anger, this is not an indictment against anger. This is not an indictment against injustice. This is not... Uh, not an indictment against speaking out against injustice. It, it's just the reality that we really need a godly sense of what we're ranting about. And uh, st- studies indicate that ranting typically doesn't help the ranter or the person that's the benefactor of the ranting. It tends to be more divisive. It tends to fuel this prejudging where before someone even opens their mouth, if I know their particular grouping or their ethnicity or what they look like, I tend to already determine I have a predisposition of whether I'm favorable or not to them. So ranting is not all that it's cracked up to be. Now having said that, Silence sometimes is betrayal. So I'm not saying we we remain silent. 
in the midst of our anger or when things need to be held in check or people or things need to be called out. But you can, you can rant against Target and Chick-fil-A and the NFL and, and just about anything. <laughs> and yet, as a Christian, as a pastor... I can't remain silent today by just simply saying that the words attributed to President Trump regarding ethnicity groups is absolutely uh, disgusting and reprehensible. It's uncalled for. It's uncalled for for anybody to do that. But particularly a president of the United States. I'm not going to say any more because then I would be ranting. But I say that as a way of saying as a Christian, when you're engaged in personal conversations and things like that are said, silence is betrayal to the sense of rightness and justness that you know in your heart. But we need the Spirit of Jesus. We need the Spirit of Jesus like we have never uh, needed Him before in knowing how to deal with the shouting in our culture. I like these words, pointers to help us uh, to be agents of peace. And I want to give credit to the person I got, Lee, uh, J. Lee Grady's pointers. I think they're excellent in terms of how we typically are to, are to respond and to cool down. <laughs> Is the number one, you don't have to comment about everything. Whew. You can let some things go. You choose your battles well. What's really worth speaking out about? The more we speak out about everything, the less people will care what we have to say anyway. But when we do speak, there's a sense of a reason and a purpose and a pointedness where we may have the ear of another person. But we don't have to comment on everything. And we don't have to take sides in every argument. Most arguments have legitimacy and truth on both sides. And if I'm not taking sides, I'm able to better listen. And finally, you don't have to be right all the time. So that's, for what it's worth, that's just kind of my, my wisdom, hopefully godly wisdom, on the topic of what do we do about our culture's anger. Now, what about our personal anger? If I was to ask you this morning, how you doing? How would you say? What would you say? How you doing, Diane? Good. How you doing, Aaron? Great. How you doing, David? Okay, how you doing, Justin? Sweet. Anybody want to try another word? Yeah, <laughs> content. That's good. We have a personal family member. He's done this for years. When we ask him the question, how's he doing? He says, fine, fine. Text him in person, whatever, fine. And so, so many times I've, I've heard people say, when you ask him how you're doing, uh, fine. When they say fine like that, what does that mean? Well, they're frustrated, impatient, nervous, 
and exhausted. <laughs> That's what it means to be fine. And I think under surface, undercurrent in many of our spirits in our lives, um, we're frustrated. <laughs> we're impatient, we're nervous, we're exhausted. And so that fuels a sense of anger. And I think that's part of what, what we have to wrestle with is, is how do we deal with our anger? And de- depending upon our personalities, we have a tendency either to be a skunk or a turtle. We have a way in which uh, we can, in terms of conflict and anger and dealing with anger, we can uh, be like a skunk where we spray. You don't have to ask a skunk how they're doing. They will tell you how they're doing real stinkers, and kind of stink up the place. At their worst, we can be skunks. But some of us can be turtles. Some of us can be the folks that just kind of go underneath their shell, uh, avoid conflict at all costs, and uh, bury things, stuff anger, where stuffed anger that's not dealt with tends to lead to depression, and later on an implosion where we overreact. And so, um, let me just say a word first to those who are turtles. I'm a turtle. I'm an expert on this subject. Uh, I have a way of, of not wanting confrontation. And confrontation is not a bad word. Confrontation simply means face-to-face. And so, uh, especially when I'm in the presence of a skunk where I feel like the elevation of the anger is going up, I I definitely want to just kind of get out of there. And I've learned as a leader, though, that I've got to actually go mining for conflict because I know there's conflict and there's tension in the room. So I've got to intentionally go looking for it and asking the question. Because unless the tension and the anger, the frustration comes out, <laughs> then, then worse things can happen. And, and I know that I'm not dealing with my anger as a turtle. When someone says something to me unrelated to the subject, and I overreact in anger that may have nothing to do whatsoever with what the person is saying, but they push my button. It's kind of like I have a, a pain in my neck, and when my therapist works on me, it goes quite down to my ankle because it's all interconnected. And so we turtles, we have to be able to say, no, I'm not fine or being fine. I'm frustrated about this. I'm nervous. I'm upset. I'm exhausted. And just kind of name that. The Scripture Uh, In Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says something that I I think is is so striking and and particularly good for all of us to hear, but maybe more so for for turtles or for people who who feel like uh, anger is not something that's legitimate. I love what he says, "So, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. Speak truth. Speak what's bothering you, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let, sun go down, let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Just leave those words up there on the screen for a moment. Now, what is the Scripture telling us? 
about anger. Is anger sinful? The answer is no. <laughs> it legitimizes anger. Some translation says, while you're angry, don't sin. So face the anger, deal with the anger, but don't let anger control you. Diffuse it, deal with it, name it, acknowledge it. And I have learned to let anger be my friend. I need to embrace it because my anger inside of me will tell me more about me than I care to know. I will learn if I sit and listen to my anger what it is that's making me angry. It's not anger. It's not sinful to be angry. It's what we do with our anger and what's making us angry. That's very telling. Now, uh, let's say a word to, to skunks. Um, and Jesus ha has a word to say, especially to all of us, but maybe particularly to skunks. In a world where we are just... Uh, lambasting each other with words and names. Matthew chapter 5. Now, Jesus, look to how seriously Jesus measures words. You have heard that, it, that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you murder, if you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But Jesus was always moving to the internal motivation from the act. And Jesus says, but I say, if you are even angry with someone, that is, if you're holding anger against someone, you are subject to judgment. He goes on to say this, and if you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. I'll leave the words of Jesus up there for a moment. The word uh, raka was the Aramaic word, translated fool or idiot. I don't know about you, but have you ever, ever noticed how all the idiots come out when you're driving? I mean, it's just... There's so, so many things that are frustrating. But Jesus is really taking us to task here, and he's helping us to recognize that we kill people with our words. We kill spirits. We say things in harshness and hardness toward people we love and we don't love that affects them the rest of their life. Words kill spirits just like shooting a gun can kill a body. We do this. And Jesus says it is not okay. I love what Dallas Willard said years ago when he said, just like some people die from secondhand smoke, many people are dying from secondhand anger. The anger may not even be directed at us, but if we're living in homes, or we're abiding in workplaces, or we're in various kinds of relationships where there is this constant 
um, barraging of people, angry spirits. We're going to die. It's harmful to our health. What do we do about it? Well, um, I want to I offer a couple of suggestions of, of things or actions that are worth considering. And one action is that I've learned to sit with the Holy Spirit and ask myself, what is making me angry? And the sitting with the Holy Spirit may not make sense to me, but let me explain that. I, I simply mean I believe the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, that the Holy Spirit is with us, And just like when I read Scripture, I want the Holy Spirit there to help interpret Scripture. I want to sit with the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit, what is making me angry? What's behind this anger? And as I do that, sometimes I I recognize there's there's a past hurt, there's a wound. Um, Sometimes it's coming out of my false self. I'm learning that I'm getting angry about things that really shouldn't matter. Sometimes I'm just recognizing there's human anger here coming from frustration and, and, and uh, being exhausted. So we're going through, as a staff right now, this whole communication process. We've done a communication audit. We're making shifts in, in the way that we communicate as a staff. And officially, we're going into Google Documents and Google Docs. And K.J. Roki, who's our worship leader, and our video creator, by our request, has created some videos that teaches us how to do that. And I'm sitting, and I'm tired, I'm exhausted last Thursday night. I shouldn't have opened that up then, but I hadn't gotten to it yet. And so I was looking at his video all about Google Docs, and I'm with you, and then Trello, and okay, Trello, give the value of Trello. Uh, I've heard him talk about Slack, I've got a Slack app. But he ends the videos by talking about And if you want to reach me, my preferred way of receiving information is skywriting. And I think, skywriting? What what kind of new technology is he laying on us here? I'm frustrated, (laughs) nervous. And I Google, skywriting. Okay, it's a plane flying in the sky. You got me. Sometimes our anger is just that. You know, it's just like I can't keep up or it's, it's a different deal that I'm pressed to. There's a fast learning curve here. It's just naming that kind of stuff. So sitting with the Holy Spirit and asking the question, what is making me angry is helpful to dealing with the small stuff and the big stuff. Very important. And secondly, to speak directly and honestly and timely to others about what's weighing on your mind. So if your anger is directed toward another person, or if your anger is simply directed that affects another person, to be able to speak clearly and truthfully about whatever it is, whatever's frustrating you, in a timely basis, is so critically important. I made one New Year's resolution uh, this, this year, and it's, it's working so far. The, the resolution is that I will speak truthfully and openly in the most absolute way I possibly can with people I work with, live with, and pray with. Because if I cannot be honest and straight with people I live with, work with, and pray with, who can I be straight with? I feel like I owe it to them. Okay? So (laughs) that's for what it's worth on dealing with personal anger. What what about uh, righteous anger? Righteous indignation. The sense that
we are getting angry not out of our own self-interest, but truly there's, is, there's injustice being done, there, there, there's unfairness happening. Um, we are being angry for all the right reasons. How do you deal with righteous anger? Maxie Dunham has a word of caution, a, a great quote. He says that only the anger of a humble person has the moral force that can be rightly labeled righteous indignation. So when I'm feeling righteous indignation against somebody else or some cause, I better look first in my own mirror. Because I can blow it even when I'm justified, even when there's righteous anger because of my own self-interest and my own self-glorification. I can take my righteous anger and I can act in such an unrighteous way. So I want us to hear that because even when we know that we have righteous anger about something, only the truly humble who are seeking not their own glory can be angry without sinning. Many times in my life I have had righteous anger, but I did not deal with it in a righteous way. You know what I'm saying? Now, Jesus got angry. Jesus was human, Jesus was God, and Jesus was sinless. Jesus got angry several times in the Gospels. I didn't see it as a kid because this righteous anger or this sense of human anger was natural and needed. Uh, one, of the, one of the ways that he got angry was simply when he was healing a guy on the Sabbath day. And as he was healing this guy on the Sabbath day, the religious leaders said, don't do it. You're breaking the Sabbath laws. And Jesus looked at them, and the Scripture says he looked at them with anger. What I love about Jesus' response is he was not intimidated by them, nor did he react to their anger, nor did he allow his anger toward them, which was a righteous anger, to distract him from what he was called to do. He went on and he healed the guy. He went on to do good. So righteous anger is not something that we always necessarily take action against. But it reinforces what we are wanting and desiring to do that we feel like God has called us to do. There was that other time, of course, when Jesus goes into the temple court. And if you're familiar with Scripture, you, you know the story. <clears throat> but he goes into the courtyard and he throws over the tables of the money changers. But one gospel says that Jesus actually took a whip. Now what was going on here? They were acts of injustice against the poor. They were capitalizing on people out of their religious needs. They had lost the intent of the whole temple in the first place, that this is called a house prayer. I don't think Jesus did this out of an emotion of anger, but I think Jesus did this as a calculated act that needed to be done. 
in driving this out. It's the only time in all of Scripture that Jesus takes something and does something by force. Now, that's, that's righteous indignation to the nth degree. And if we ever go to that extreme, we better make sure that we're the most humble among people on earth. Well, friends, uh, that's really kind of my best effort today in talking about anger and what to do with the culture's anger and what to do with my personal anger and what to do with the reality of righteous anger. And to summarize this, I'd like to just point to two quotations from Martin Luther King, Jr., whose birthday we celebrate tomorrow, and whose slaying occurred 50 years ago this coming April. I was a boy when King was slaughtered in a troubled time in our country. And everything that I experienced then and everything that I read since and everything that I know about him is that we could have gone the way of the Black Panthers. But if it wasn't for Dr. King, we would, we would be in a whole lot worse shape. And I, I don't know of a time where we don't need his words more than right now. Because we can go the way of violence in our seeking justice, or we can do what King called us to do. Look at these two quotes. Freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. So you don't, you don't remain silent in the sense of injustice against anyone. But notice how he lived in this tension when he said nonviolence means avoiding not only external physical violence, but also internal violence of spirit where you not only refuse to shoot a man, but you refuse to hate him. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your spirit. And we confess how much we are dependent upon you in understanding ourselves, let alone understanding what's going on in our culture. We pray for a great renewal and a great movement of your spirit. And we pray that it would happen in our hearts as individuals, in our homes, in our lives. That we would sit with you in our anger and rather than sinning, missing the mark or being defiant or getting our back up, would seek to understand what is the way of Jesus in this matter? What is your Spirit calling me to do, if anything? God, we, we just 
Pray for forgiveness for the people that speak harsh and hard words against anyone. Whether it be ourselves, our loved ones, or those in power, we pray that you would teach us your ways. And we pray for your mercy, your grace to help us to worship you. Shout your name as you deserve. Help us to give you your due. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen.